We're doing villains now. I'm Dracula. Villains. Dracula. Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Awards podcast where we look at the many films nominated for MTV Movie Awards in various categories and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Gregg, a foremost villainy expert. <laughs> and today we're here to look at Best Villain 1996. Huh, a return to 1996 after the best sandwich episode a few <laughs> yeah. weeks ago. Our our third our third entry into this year, um, yeah. Uh, also the this is the um, to make American quilt year as well. Uh, a a Ben favorite. Yeah, our our oddest kissing year, I would say. Yeah, that's the one where species <laughs> another Ben favorite wins. Just... Yeah. Just well, a, the kiss oh, there was the favorite, less the movie itself. <laughs> yeah, and, and Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, a movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was wa- I was watching Death on the Nile the other week, the new film, and, like, Sophie Okonedo's in in that. I'm like, like oh, have I seen her in recently? I'm like, oh, yeah, Ace Ventura, <laughs> When Nature Calls, where she doesn't have a name. Like, it's... <laughs> oh, jeez, what a... Man, yeah. Uh, this is this also is, Kiss from a Rose year, uh, where it got snubbed. I'm sure there will be a, a talk if we ever cover best movie. Best, yeah, or best song from a movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Waiting to Exhale, in which... <laughs> <laughs> and the song that won wasn't even the song called Exhale? Exhale? <laughs> shoop, shoop. <What? laughs> um, and then... Uh, yeah. This is also the year they bring in the best fight category. So when we get to that one, this is literally where that starts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, 1996 is, is just shaping up to be uh, very, like, com- very, like, most frequently, re- like, looked at year. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we, and yeah, it's also, um, this is also, I think this is the first, um, but I don't think only time we're gonna have two nominees from the same movie in the villain category. Uh no, um, not not the only time. And I believe the other time it happens, it's also for a Batman movie. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I think it did it only happened once during Best Kiss during Twilight Era, right? Yeah, it only happened yeah, once where you had to, to do it. Those ones are nice because it's like, oh cool, one less movie to wa- watch. Which is nice when one of the other films is three hours long. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, Casino. Jeez, Alou. What a what a Scorsese movie. Um, <laughs> he has yeah. a wide variety of a filmography, and like he's not just gangster films. I think Casino is one of the films where people are like, "Oh yeah, this is just the kind of movie he makes." Where it's yeah, like three he, hours he, of montages. Yeah. And, 
<laughs> it really it really is just montages and voiceovers and then just being like ah oh, but we weren't ready for joey the big kid to show up on the scene he knew everything but knew nothing at all yeah no we've definitely i don't know if there's um much more to say about the year itself when we've already kind of uh breezed by it twice once very recently and also this is the era where the um the wikipedia page is like very very like bare bones yeah okay yeah so i can confirm that the only other time in best villain where the same film gets nominated twice is the dark knight rises something about batman you know <laughs> yeah just again and we'll eventually get to it but really funny the dark knight rises gets nominated twice <laughs> yeah yeah unless um it's not two slots but uh face off it is two people um, and I'm super excited for Face Off Week. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I watched Face Off the other day, and I'm like, oh, right. This is one of the greatest movies ever made. Just... <laughs> it's oh, like, I'm super excited. Yeah. Titanic and Face Off, two of my favorite films of all time, and we talk about them on one episode, and then also Austin Powers. Like, Oh, it's going to be a, a good, yeah. good year. And then Air Force, and then Air Force One and the Devil's Advocate aren't 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 slouching. I were like one is like an action film with the president, and the other Al Pacino was playing the devil. It's. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, that all seems awesome. Yeah, um, but that's a, a couple episodes away. Huh. If yeah, you ever take a special bonus for doing, but. Yeah. But how, um, how, how have you uh, how have you been though? Um, I guess just in general watching these villain movies. Uh yeah, I've I've been enjoying enjoying it a lot. It's so I, I mean, look, I, I I love I love the kissing, but the thing about the the thing about the kiss movies is often you're kind of watching for one scene, and if you're not familiar with it, then it becomes the thing of oh man, I hope I didn't miss it. And with Best Villain, it's just easy not to miss it, because you're like, well, it, I'm looking for, like, a person's performance. and Yeah, and it makes it, like, it makes it a little easier to, um... Because, like, it was, um... Or I guess not easier, but, like, if a movie's villain is bad, it's usually probably going to be a bad movie. Um, like, it's, it's, it's something I can drag down a whole movie. Whereas if like, it has, like, a mediocre kiss, like, it can still be an amazing movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's possible it can just be a good movie that didn't need, like, a villain. Um, but... Oh, yeah, that too, or, or, like, it's kind of weird, yeah. Yeah. I'll say, I've... there's definitely been less bad, like, villain movies, and there have been less bad kiss movies by this point, for me. Um, yeah, like, I don't know if you agree, but I feel by, like, yeah, by, by this point in, ba in Best Kiss, we'd we definitely watch, like, yeah, a, cu a couple of like stinkers in there and yeah and, i think it's yeah because yeah, i feel like even like um because i feel like best villain is something where like for for a movie to even have like a strong enough act antagonist to get nominated i feel like it needs to be like a pretty good movie whereas if a movie could have just like a kiss in there and it could also just be a boring bad movie <laughs> surrounding it like i feel like that i feel like there are far more movies I mean, like... this closure got nominated. Yeah, exactly. got nominated. <laughs> Listen, uh, I think this closure got nominated because they hacked into the files and uh, Angel let it in. 
That's my theory about it. Um, yeah, they got they got past like the, the yeah the picture of MP, MTV Movie Award producers Joel Gallen's face on a wire frame that was just standing guard. <laughs> I was just watching it. <laughs> yeah, but you want to get into the villain films? Um, yeah, this one is definitely going to be probably a little bit of a shorter episode just because there's only four movies. Um, despite, I guess, unless we have like a, we find one to have a lot to say about. But yeah. The oh, do you want to do you want to list off the uh, the nominees and winner? Yeah, I can get that done. So for best villain, nineteen ninety six, the nominees are Jim Carrey in Batman Forever, Tommy Lee Jones in Batman Forever, Joe Pesci in Casino, John Travolta in Broken Arrow. And the winner, Kevin Spacey in Seven. Oh man! Um, <laughs> oh man! I, I think I just thought of like a really good name for the episode. Um, <laughs> oh no! What no, is no, no. It? It's nothing bad. It's a uh, Jim Jones, Joe, John, and Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> it's just as yeah, as you were reading that, I was like, I was like, wait, what's I going it on? Be some like Kevin Spacey related <laughs> thing, and like. <laughs> uh yeah but um oh man uh well what did you think of of uh of seven or yeah se- se- seven n as it's sometimes shown on the poster yeah um i re- i really liked this movie uh david fincher who directed this one directed fight club dir- directed honestly a lot of great movies and movies that i love a lot uh at least uh Trying, I'm trying to think if, yeah, I know we eventually talk about Gone Girl, and I'm d- trying to remember if, yeah, that might be the only other, like, spacey one, like, or not, not spacey, uh, F- Fincher that we talk about here. Uh, give or take a, uh, yeah, no, I don't see Girl with the Dragon Tattoo on here, but, um, but, but yeah, this is, like, it's, I think it's like a re- really good movie. Um, obviously, the presence of a certain actor in it makes it a bit harder to watch than it used to be. But yeah, I, I still fair, think it's really good. Um, yeah, he is playing like the most evil guy um, in the movie. Um, yeah. It's weird. It's weird that you say that. I personally couldn't super get into this film. Um I really wanted to like it, but I just, I don't think by the end I really liked this film all that much. Um, and I, I'm trying to think of like, I just, I, I just couldn't, I think the main crux of the movie for me, or I guess there's multiple legs um, of, I, I feel like it just, I didn't like the, the two, I didn't like the two leads very much, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. Um, I don't. I just didn't like their their dynamic very much, um, and then just also like I also just I, there's not much I liked about this movie. I guess is the better way to say it. Um, I think like the whole seven deadly thing since thing is like it's neat, but they keep on playing it up like there's this like kind of mystery to like solve, but there's not really. Where it's like, oh, we should find the person who's envious, and that's who they're gonna kill next. Um, I just, I could not get into this movie. 
Um, but I guess I guess what are things that you really like about it though? Oh, um, yeah, I think one one thing with Fincher, I mean, like I'm not surprised people, yeah, have a hard time getting in, in into this one. There's, I think one of my one of my favorite fin, Fincher films, Zodiac, is I remember like a friend of a friend of ours, the ones that I was saying, oh yeah, Zodiac is like, oh yeah, no, I walked out of like theaters on that one because. That is a movie where famously the Zodiac killing stop not even halfway through, and then it keeps going. But so, but something that yeah. I think he he's good at is it's cultivate. He's good at cultivating kind of a mood. Um, I do actually like. I'm I'm not gonna say that like, Pitt and Freeman have terrific chemistry or anything, but I think Morgan Freeman in particular is like really good in this. Like his little line at the end where he's like. Oh, Ernest Hemingway once wrote, "The world is a fine place and worth fighting for." I agree with the second part. Is really yeah. good. Um, yeah, I think they I have think... like a, I think they have like a few good like moments together. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh yeah, like um, I think when Brad Pitt kicks the door down, I think that's a really good scene. Um, it also, I could just have also been super fatigued about it, and it might just not be for me. Um, yeah, like I, I don't know why I, 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 you need you need like China to edit in something saying that at the end it turned out everyone was alive and like all the perpetrators were to jail. <laughs> that would that would have made me feel a little better. Um, yeah, and I also like something. And this is like I, a huge bias on my part. Um, the ending is entirely ruined, um, just because I know, just because I know the twist and I've seen the scene memed about what's in the box yeah what's in the box (laughs) and it's just it's funny and also like his wife isn't a character like i'm sorry i don't care um yeah i I think in my notes i just have boring 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 dead wife dead wife um (laughs) (laughs) that's the name of the episode boring boring boring. Um, yeah but like i definitely because i really like i really like fight club um, and I feel like this movie, maybe you just need like a second watch, but I feel like there's just so many, so many things that just didn't hit with me. Um, and I'm, and like, I'm not at all sure why it's always, it's also the last one I watched. So maybe, maybe after the three hour casino, I was still a little bit, uh, a little bit burnt out. Um, You're like, Oh, this needs to be more in montage. Yeah. I, I, I always, um, my, my prime example I think is, um, is the movie drive. Where I think the first time I watched it, I think I genuinely hated it. Um, I thought it was like so like boring, and I didn't like it at all. And then I think I've watched it six times since then, and each time I like it a little bit more. Um, like I, I like I appreciate Gosling's performance like just a little bit more each time, and that maybe that maybe that's this movie for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man, drive a movie that I like saw in the theaters and. I was very glad that I got to see it when it was just like getting a critical buzz and didn't have whole film broy like hive around it because I'm like I can I can love this forever. Um, yeah, I went to check my Fincher ratings where I have out of his eleven films, I think seven is placed at seven. Coincidentally enough, um, that wasn't intentional, uh, and I feel like. <laughs> I could probably go down once I rewatch like the game Girl with the Dragon Room or Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, uh, Panic Room, 
Oh man, it's a shame we don't get a cover of Panic Room, because that's the Joker performance Jared Leto should have given. He's in that one. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, I'd still probably have 7 above Alien 3, but... Yeah. It, it is one that... He's definitely made a lot better films, like Fight Club. Um, Not everyone likes Mank as much as I do, but Mank's terrific. And then, like, Zodiac, Social Network, Gone Girl, these are, like, his masterpieces, and... Benjamin Button's also cool. Um, but yeah, I'll say I think the crime the crime scenes themselves are always like really interesting and like really gross and like disturbing and kind of gets into those vibes where you're like, oh yeah, this is like he's yeah, he's not afraid to get just na- nasty with kind of the stuff in the, in the films like the yeah. Like the the gluttony guy who's eaten until like his stomach is burst, or the the guy who's been like strapped to the bed and just like looks barely you know barely alive alive all that all all that stuff and I'll, I'll say it it does kind of kind of lose it in like um I like it does sort of lose something once it gets to, like, spacey, and once it's just driving to that inevitable conclusion. Um, especially <clears throat> once you know what that ending is going to be, yeah. then it's kind of more, uh, well, when are we just gonna get to there? Where, as I can imagine, like, I can totally see theater audiences going in blind to this and just being filled with tension as they're like driving out to the desert and it's taking so long but yeah i feel like me and you might just have just the complete opposite opinions about this movie because that's when i i kind of like the movie a little bit is during the drive um i think it's i I don't know i I just like i like the tension there i like this sort of person that's just um that's just like been getting away with it for so long i think it's just I, yeah, I think my big problem with this movie is that, like, I feel like it leans way too heavily into, like, th- like oh, this person's using the seven, seven deadly sins, so there's, like, clues. But, like, there's not really, there's nothing to solve. <laughs> he's just kind of, like, he's just killing people. Um, yeah. Well, they have to find, find his uh, identity. Also, do we count this as the first kind of surprise villain that's been nominated or just um i don't know if it's a i i feel like a twist or like a surprise villain i feel like there can only be like two kinds where it's one where it's like it's a good character that that we didn't know was bad um or it's like i didn't know this movie was going to have a villain but like i feel like we knew who it was we just didn't we didn't know who specifically it was but we knew there was a villain that's like constantly terrorizing the protagonists. Yeah, and then it is someone who has that much of an identity, which... <sighs> Alright, I guess we have to talk about Kevin Spacey now. <laughs> Just Yeah. Um, full. Did you see that video he did when he was like, he's like doing his, after the allegations, uh, when he did like his House of Cards character? <laughs> Uh, which one? He did those for multiple Christmases, and I don't think he did one last year. <laughs> in 2017, at uh, the height of at uh, the height of the like, well, not the not the height, but definitely in the B, around the beginning of kind of Harvey Weinstein being outed as an abuser, and all these people coming forward, um, actor. Actor Anthony Rapp, 
who was on Star Trek Discovery. That's why I was, I feel I was watching Star Trek Discovery when the news broke, but he, yeah, but he alleged that Kevin Spacey had like made, yeah, a sexual advance towards him in 1986 when he was 14 and Spacey was in his 20s. And then 15 other people came forward. Um, yeah. It, stuff got bad. Um, on the, on the same day Rap made his allegations, Spacey came out, which people saw as a way of deflecting. Um, and yeah. then... <laughs> so yeah. That's a weird decision. Yeah. Um, he's been... Yeah, he was fired off a house of cards. Uh, Ridley Scott literally recast him in a movie that was coming out within, like, a couple months and just shot a bunch of different scenes with Christopher Plummer for, like, all the money in the world, and... <laughs> yeah, he has not really acted since. I forget. I mean, who knows when, like, he's gonna, like, show show up, but... Um, bad dude. And it, yeah. Should be known that, like, Morgan Freeman has also had, like, allegations in the past of, like, CNN had published in 2018 of eight women saying that he's been, like, overly flirtatious and inappropriate comments, but there's apparently been at least some, yeah, some, some, or some people have, like, tried to refute CNN's report as maybe being not totally accurate, but in the effort of just going, you know, not, not just letting Spacey be the only one, because Sometimes I think Morgan Freeman gets a bit of a pass because he's been was so beloved for so long, and mm-hmm. unlike Kevin Spacey, like played much less creeps in his career. Um, yeah, <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. But but Spacey's good in this, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, 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 <laughs> he, he's probably yeah, he's probably like next to Morgan Freeman, probably like doing like probably one of the better performances. There's probably like a graph you could make. Um, of like a correlative graph of like how problematic versus how well they did in this movie. Um, <laughs> that would probably track like one to one, um, unfortunately. But yeah, um, yeah, as much, yeah, I guess, um, as much as I do like, like his performance, he's not like, he's not in it a lot. Um, and like, oh man, I feel bad because this movie came out in like, 1996 but like i don't know he doesn't have like he doesn't have like an interesting philosophy um he's just kind of like well sinners are bad and i kill them and he do- he doesn't like justify that in a like a, a satisfying way at all <laughs> um which is just like i feel like if you're gonna have a villain like this i feel like that's what that that kind of requires it kind of requires like somebody who's clearly like thought out like they're they're like philosophical underpinnings. I mean, he has a plan. He's trying to shock the world out of yeah. its state of not caring about like people's stuff. But right, it it isn't and, like the most dynamic thing. I think the most interesting part is he is like essentially set himself up to be the final victim for his yeah for envy or or whatever. Which they they don't really explain how. Oh, he's killed Gwyneth Paltrow, and that means that, like, 
this is going to make him be remembered forever. Like, they don't really yeah. explain how that's going to work, but... Um. Yeah, it's just, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It just feels like a little, yeah, a little lame in the end. Um, yeah. But he's giving a good performance, though. It's It's kind of like that thing where it's like, I feel bad that like for being like Chris and being like oh like Fight Club really isn't that deep it essentially just says society but maybe when the time it came out there weren't that many people in movies saying society yet you know and maybe that's the case for this movie um I mean yeah Fight Club is like yeah there's a lot of stuff going on it's like a critique of masculinity which unfortunately got misunderstood by a lot of people (laughs) do you mean it's a movie about like awesome guys kicking butt and how cool fighting is <laughs> yeah and, um but i'll say i can i can see being turned off by because it, it is not like a film that is interested in giving the audience any sort of win it's like very bl- it's very like bleak and nihilistic and and like the only and the only thing is, thing you kind of get out of it in the end is morgan freeman kind of realizing okay I like everything's terrible, but I'm gonna keep fighting anyways. Like, yeah, it's the closest thing anyone gets to any sort of victory in this film. Beyond Kevin Spacey, who does effectively get everything he wanted. Like, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I just yeah, I wish I w- I wish I clicked with this movie a little more. I went into this movie, I went into this list being like, I'm probably gonna like seven the most because it it feels like out of the list like. It's it's like one I haven't seen, but I've heard so much about, you know. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, I just couldn't. I couldn't vibe with it. Maybe maybe I'll like eight and nine, maybe. Um, but this <laughs> one just didn't do it for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Do you have any Do you have any final thoughts on uh, on seven? Um. Yeah, not much. Much else. I'll. So it's interesting that yeah that this film like you don't really vibe with it. It's probably the one that I think is kind of most interested in the question of what is evil, what makes someone like a villain, like which yeah, yeah I, you know maybe that's why you turn on it. You're like no, this is my job to say what evil <laughs> is. I'm the host. It's just the <laughs> exactly. movie. Um, yeah, yeah. I wish yeah I wish this movie had like more. I wish this movie had more conversations between like the protagonist and the antagonist and. And less like coming to the scene of like a dead guy um, killed in like a really like saw esque kind of like gruesome way, um, which I, I guess that has its own appeal, but it's just not the parts that I liked very much. Apparently, so I had just scan- scanning the Wikipedia page, and in this one, one I guess the uh, the, the big head in the box twist ending was one that the studio was not on board with and they tried to like replace first they tried to replace the Gwyneth Paltrow's head with a dog's head and then they're like well maybe he just doesn't fire on John Doe so like David Fincher and Rapid both had to essentially fight for it and ultimately the things of like Brad Pitt sort of kind of being taken away and then the little Hemingway bit was was sort of just that's how they wound up placating him because the original idea was the film was just going to end after he shot Kevin Spacey, which, you know, 
I yeah. think maybe goes through the baskets as I said. I really like that kind of little ending beat with yeah. Ernest Hemingway quote. But I do well. like that part too. But yeah, with that, I guess we can yeah can go from murder on the brain to bats on the brain. <laughs> what kind of man has his mind full of bats? Yeah. <laughs> Batman forever. Okay. Um. Just so I understand, Riddler's machine both like it makes you see things but it also gives you all it takes it gives you all it gives riddler all of your iq am i did i understand it correctly (laughs) yeah so the idea is he's it's a machine that can beam television signals directly into a person's brain and but then yeah it can also manipulate minds and that it can just take information from them and i truly am not sure how that yeah. thing like <laughs> I fully works yeah because riddler like he doesn't seem any smarter throughout the movie he seems like the same kooky jim carrey character throughout the whole thing like i don't it, he doesn't like he doesn't seem particularly like dumber in like the first scene than he does in the first one um yeah, so like I wasn't like I wasn't sure what it like meant. I knew that it like projected things, um, but like I wasn't sure about like the it entering his brain thing. I guess like he's like get it, I guess he is like maybe getting smarter, so he's getting better at writing little riddles. But I felt like he was always good at writing riddles. <laughs> it's a little, yeah, little confusing. <laughs> yeah. And then we have um Yeah. We also have Tommy Lee Jones playing a uh downplayed version of his character and blown away um, <laughs> um yeah I, it's yeah it's weird because like the only two-face i'm familiar with is the one from the um the nolan films um so this was a this was a weird rendition i got um because whenever i think of two-face i always think of him as just kind of like a mobster i don't think of him as like a, a crazy guy yeah, this is a bit more in line at, like, Two-Face, in classic Batman comics, yeah, it's the idea he, it's the similar origin, he's scarred by, he's scarred by acid, which, in the, in a courtroom, which, in Dark Knight, they change it a bit, and you know, we'll get to the Dark Knight one day, in, they change it so, like, he's been captured, and it's, like, an accident, and it's not literally... Somehow the villain snuck acid into a courtroom and threw it on him. <laughs> but <laughs> also, it's really funny that his backstory is just given by Bruce Wayne watching the news. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that one. Uh, he's a he's a kooky little character. Um, I do uh, want to give props though to my favorite character in the whole movie is the. The guy that's in the safe in the beginning of the movie, uh, every line he delivers is so funny. When he's like, "Oh, it's filling with acid," he just has like a little thing to say about everything, and he's so he's just he's, his delivery is so funny. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy's good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Two Face as Two Face is like a dimensional character. I think to think Sam was more. That wasn't really until, like, the 80s when, I believe it's Batman Year One, that had the idea where they were like, well, if he was, like, a district attorney, then he and Batman probably worked together at one at one point, and then, like, 
then I believe Batman the Animated Series goes a, a similar route where there's that sort of tragic element, and Batman Forever is just kind of like, nah, no, he can just be like this crazy guy who runs around. Um, and Yeah, which is weird, because that's also the Riddler. <laughs> like, this movie is just two crazy guys, which, like, I was surprised that when they finally, like, meet, that it's, like, it's rather pleasant. I think they have, like, really funny interactions with each other, despite them being, like, such similar characters. Yeah, the modern version of this film, I think, either has them as different temperaments, or has them clashing more, and not just, hey, let's team up! But, like... Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of appreciate that this film is just... No, yeah, it's... It's great. It's all the villains are on the same level, and they're like pals, and they'll they'll team they'll team up, and like Riddler will do his Riddler thing, and Two Face will be the muscle, but then Riddler will also be the muscle when he <laughs> needs to be. It's just <laughs> no. I, at some point during the movie, I was like, oh, I have to start keeping tally of which one's up on who, and it's it's really tough because well, Two Face pretends to be an old lady pushing a cart. But then the Riddler has that scene where he's picking out his costume on the computer. Um, but then Two Face has that scene in his where he has like the room that's like like cut in half, but it's like half evil, half like ice themed. <laughs> it was such a it was such a toss up, honestly, between the two. Yeah. So Batman Forever. It's an interesting film because it's the first of the two. Uh, Schumacher Batman movies, which up until Zack Snyder came along, I think were the most maligned like Batman films. It's I think they have their charms. Uh, Batman and Robin is more like overtly campy from this. It it is a different atmosphere because famously Batman Returns was like really dark and did not do as well as the other one. So Warner Brothers, um asked basically asked Burton to step step down and kind of brought brought in Joel Schumacher to do it like Burton approved and 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 then I think Heaton also eventually loses or leaves Schumacher seems like also originally was gonna have like a darker idea like sometimes you hear here when you look at the Schumacher years that like he had a fifth movie that was just gonna go really dark and kill a lot of people people and Dan <laughs> but which would have been funny considering Batman and Robin is even like sillier than this movie. <laughs> yeah, um, this movie is so is so goofy. Um and like um like Batman Returns is also like a little goofy. Um but like it also is pretty it's pretty like grounded and like gross at times um but yeah this one's just kind of colorful and really cartoony it, it's weird that like two-face a character that's supposed to be like have half be like disturbing looks like way like cartoony than like the penguin who looks like genuinely horrifying sometimes yeah it uh, yeah two-face is like really easy to look at in this one despite the fact that like he's purple um <laughs> yeah and but, but it's an interesting thing that I think these films, in particularly Batman and Robin, which goes all in, but they both kind of bring it similar to the spirit of the 60s Batman show. Like, 
especially once they're bringing in Robin to to team up with him and it's yeah it's like okay here's the goofier villains and this city is like larger than life and you know like they kind of go for a like Gotham City in this one goes from like being really gothic and dark to like just full-on neon playland in this one (laughs) yeah it definitely feels a little more vibrant and there's the circus um yeah yeah, no, it's, um, this is, uh, I was definitely very confused, um, because this was, like, originally Tim Burton's, right? And then it got passed over, what was the name of the person? It was... Uh, Joel, Joel Schumacher. Schumacher, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah Tim Burton had, like, directed the first two, and, yeah, asked to ste- step down. Yeah. I think his name still shows up in the, in the opening, though. Um. Yeah, he, I think he was, like, in... They gave him some kind of vanity title, or like, like he approved, like he has, he had some say in choosing who who was gonna get to do it. But yeah, because I was really confused because I was like, oh, it's like, because I thought I thought this was a Tim Burton one, but I was like, oh, but it's also Val Kilmer. I was like, I was very like, I was thrown. Um, but I guess like it's, I assume is this like the same universe as Batman um, Returns? That has become a bit debated in kind of years. Like, this was before they really fought too hard. Too hard. So I'm sure yeah. like, oh yeah, it's all the same universe. And that, that's why there's like that's no no Joker. And then in recent years, the comics have kind of done like, uh, actually, yeah, last year they did sort of Batman 89, which was like new stories set on the world of like, specifically the first two Tim Burton films. And a key thing is, in the Tim Burton first Batman movie, Harvey Dent is a character in it, and he is played by Billy D. Williams. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, Lando from like Star Wars. <laughs> so the idea was, oh yeah, Billy D. Williams can become Two Face one day, and Warner Brothers was like, um, a black Two Face? I don't know. Just oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That would have been... Tim Burton also tried to make have a black Robin in Batman Returns, which was another um like yeah. got shut down by some people. Unfortunate. Which... Yeah, no, and like, I, yeah, that's that's really weird. Yeah, because I, I assume I guess like yeah, because back then like it wasn't like oh we need to make the big MCU. They just kind of made films, and there would be like subtle references, but not this huge connect thing. Yeah, the continuity is, like, they don't bring in Joker because he dies in Batman 89. Like, yeah, it's... and that becomes sort of thing where we're like, man, we wish we hadn't killed the Joker, but... Yeah, <laughs> and then, but then they, they kind of just made the two villains in this one Joker-like, though. They're just kind of goofy and over the top. Um... I like the... I, I, again, like with Batman Returns, I loved the goons... Um, I don't think they were as goofy, but they definitely, I, whenever they were on screen, I definitely had a good time. I think it was specifically the Two-Face goons. I think, I think, um, the Riddler was woefully goonless. Yeah, it's like Two-Face and his goons and, like, the two, like, women who are by him at most times. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Two-Face! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's his, his, his weird, like, uh... Um, like Narnia themed one, and then like the evil devil one. 
Huh. Yeah, because because duality. Also, <laughs> also, it's funny that even when like Two Face lands on like a co- coin flip, and I guess this is like a bit true of the comic version. Though the co- comic version sometimes they'd be like, "Oh no, he actually won't do the bad thing if he doesn't like flip the right thing." Where here it's like, "Oh no, he'll just find a loophole for it." Like. I vaguely remember reading his first comic appearance, and I think it's he flips a coin and then he's like giving money back to people or something. Just <laughs> that's so funny. Um, isn't it in the? Um, isn't it in the? I feel like in the Nolan ones that it's one side is heads and the other side is just also scarred. Um, <laughs> yeah, like... the coin in the Nolan one, he makes it heads, and it's his lucky coin, so. He uses it whenever he's already made up his mind, and the, then in this one, it's well. Once he once he turns, he does kind of stick around because one of the sides is scarred. But does have the good moment where he's in the car with the person and flips, and then he's like, oh, "You're you're lucky." And flips again. It's like he he's on. It's like who is like the driver. Just... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. Tommy Lee Jones so far has just been like crazy up and down this list. Um, just playing the goofiest characters. Um, yeah. And, like, um, yeah, I think Jim Carrey's initial performance in this movie, like, I, it was a little bit grating. Um, just because he's very, it's very Jim Carrey. Um, but I think as the movie went on, it kind of grew on me. Especially with his interactions, like, with Tommy Lee Jones. I think, like, I was, I, I think I said it earlier, I was shocked with how well they meshed together. Yeah. This is, and look, Jim Carrey has gotten, this is the first Jim Carrey movie we're covering of, I believe, four that he gets nominated for for Best Villain. I think so. Oh, I thought you were talking about in total. Uh, I think almost every movie that he he was in during the Kiss season was an awful movie. Um, Like Ace Ventura and like Bruce Almighty. Yeah, and this one's already better than those. Um, I'll, yeah, <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah, he's, yeah. He, he, Jim Carrey does four best villain films, and I'm going to say, uh, especially his, yeah, especially when we get to like Grinch and Lemony Snicket. Uh, Cable Guy, it's a bit there, but he's when Jim Carrey's the vil- villain, he's essentially giving the same performance in most times. It's He's high energy. He's saying a lot of, like, crazy Jim Carrey stuff. He's going, yeah. ah, ah, ah. And, like, it can work. Like, as much as I don't think Ace Ventura is holistically, like, a good movie, uh, there's a couple jokes in it that are, like, hilarious that, like, maybe wouldn't have been funny if Jim Carrey didn't have that energy. Um... The one joke where he's like dusting for prints um, in Ace Ventura, and it just, it's sort of like, it does like a time transition, and just the entire room is covered in white powder, including him. Like, I feel like there are like times where it works. Um, I really want to yeah, give. Yeah, like oh, the Sonic movies. It's Yeah, oh yeah, it totally works there, um, where he talks about being breastfed. Um... Hello, editing Ben here. Um... It turns out that it's actually, um, ow, sorry, cat tried to bite me. Um, it's James Marsden's character who talks about being breastfed, being provoked by Jim Carrey's Robotnik. Just wanted to set the record straight. 
uh yeah i definitely want to watch more serious jim carrey movies because i think i've only ever seen one um the eternal um sunlight of the spotless mind or sunshine have you never seen the truman show oh not all the way through i think i've seen like bits and pieces of it when it, when i watched it on tv but like all the way through no um god because like yeah he, he's show. clearly it's... so talented and like i feel like it is like a thing where he just gets typecast and like the movie needs to work like really hard in like giving him like consistently hilarious jokes for it to not become a little grating yeah it's also very much a case of he knows why you've cast jim carrey in this movie and he's going to give you that like and he's not maybe not going to try and push it as much. Um, I'll say, yeah, I think he's I think he's all right here. Uh, next year, he is in something I think is maybe the best use of his persona for like villainous purposes. But yeah, it's look at Goofy Riddler who's like kills his boss very early on, and but <laughs> then just is, and then just deep fakes a video. Of him killing himself. Yeah, the original deep fake. Um, <laughs> and then just says... Oh yeah, that's part of the thing. So he comes off with a series of riddles. And then it's supposed to be some big moment where he's like, wait, he's like, all the solutions of these involve numbers. We can like follow this and it's an, ad- it's an address or coordinates or something. But... It, yeah, it, it just doesn't come off as that exciting because it's like <laughs> mm, I have these three exactly three riddles. Just <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird because like and also like each riddle like has an answer, but the answer like had nothing to do with anything else. Like it was like matches and like something else, but like it wasn't any of those. It was just the number, um, or maybe it wasn't. We just forgetting. Um, but yeah, like it's it's tough. Um, I have not seen the Batman yet. I don't, is it out yet? Is it like actually out? No, it comes. Uh, it comes out as. I mean, by the time this episode is out, it will be released. As of this record, it is out Thursday, Friday. Um, All right. And originally, we were going to record actually record a bit out of order for nineteen ninety seven, and then that got delayed a couple weeks. So. There, there's a version of this episode where we have, where we have actually seen the Batman and can attest to like what's different with the Riddler there. But I've, I've a fair thing because the Riddler is a character who, definitely the modern version is a lot more. Oh, it leans kind of more into his intelligence, and the Riddlers are the riddles are kind of creepier and is. His goals are kind of a bit more defined than just "I want to take over the world" or whatever he wants to do. But yeah, um, yeah, I think I think the only Riddler I'm familiar with is the one that shows up like a handful of times in the Harley Quinn show. Um, and I think in that show he's just kind of like he's just a little bored. <laughs> yeah, he's like the dean from Community. Um, yeah, <laughs> there is a. There's a really good Riddler story that was written by like Neil Ga- Neil Gaiman, offered Neil Gaiman, and I I think it's from the the 80s. It's this one that kind of popped up in a collection, but essentially the idea in is the the premise is that the Riddler is the only one of Batman's foes who hasn't become more deadlier, and 
it's him like lamenting it's a lot of him lamenting the days he's like you know the villains used to just hang out at this like watering hole like kind of going to these like 50s 60s batman comics and his thing is he just wanted to set up elaborate clues he's like and now joker just runs around killing people what's that about he's like you know where was i when they changed the rules and it's it's really (laughs) kind of like sad poignant like thing just about the riddler is talking about how all he wants to do is just set up elaborate traps that batman then solves and stops him with like it's (laughs) that sounds awesome yeah and then there's also a pretty good recent batman story at the war of jokes and riddles which was going where it's like answering the age-old question what is the difference between like a joker and a riddler in a story where like they go to it's like the Joker is getting bored and isn't finding things that funny anymore, and he and the Riddler wind up in this escalating war that the Batman eventually has to take sides in, but... <laughs> oh, that also sounds really cool, man. And then Kite Man is like a really tragic <laughs> character in it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, do you have any... What, do you have any more thoughts about the the batman forever yeah there is it's funny this was a nominee for best kiss considering the romance is like a big element in this with original character chase meridian yeah i i i always assume that it's like a, a comic book character but i i guess is it just an original character for this movie yeah no they made up a new c- character it, it's because batman do, doesn't really have like a primary love interest in the comics like he doesn't have a Lobitz Lane he kind of has Catwoman and then sort of Vicky Vale I think who the first movie uses and this one they're like yeah no we'll have a new character she's a psychologist she she gets them the bat and the man um yeah (laughs) yeah it their use of Robin there as just a guy who rides motorcycles is <laughs> just... <laughs> it's it's oh, it's really goofy, uh, but I I really like it. I like the I like when he's he's shaking his laundry dry with like kung fu, um, or like some form of martial art. <laughs> it's just really really it's really really silly. Um, this movie has a shocking amount in it. Um, but it all it all ends up working d- decently well. I think I probably still like Batman uh, Returns more. Um, but this this was not a not a bad movie. Yeah, if I'd say if you had said this was pair of the Batman Returns, that maybe would have been a fight. Um, <laughs> I'll say it's funny as much as I associate this film with the song "Kiss from a Rose" because of course it was part of the soundtrack. Batman Forever famously has like a great soundtrack that. I bought at a thrift store once when we were hanging out and then just played in my <laughs> car, car for a bit. But it is funny that Kiss from a Rose, it's not till the very end of the credits. They play the entire, like, print song that gets nominated <laughs> there. And then you get, like, a minute and a half of Kiss from a Rose and then it kind of, like, fades out. And I'm like, oh... I guess I just associate it because the music video from Kiss from a Rose is Batman Forever themed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. You know, it's uh, the second, I think this is probably, I don't know if 
maybe there's a third time I'm forgetting, but I feel like this is the second time it's it's come up in a movie. The first uh, being Vacation. Um, <laughs> I think it utilize. I think it's utilized in Vacation a little better than in this movie. Well, in this movie, it's literally just like the credits. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, Vacation is, I think, the best use we've gotten of this song so far, and. And in, in I'm like, okay, I get why maybe it wasn't the, yeah, big sensation, best song-taking movie that I had originally said. Well, obviously Kiss from a Rose should have won, but... Yeah, maybe it's just, it's maybe just a credit song and not even a, not even a, a, a show-stopping, uh, Twilight kind of credit song moment. Um, yeah. 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 Also, it's funny that as much as, like, the Robin's arc in this film is he wants to kill Two-Face and Batman saying, no, you can't, don't do that, Batman does basically kill Two-Face in the end. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's super, I guess because he knows he doesn't want Robin to be like him, you know. Um. Yeah, but this way where it's like, no, and then he throws a bunch of coins at the last second and <laughs> Two-Face just falls to his death. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh oh what a what a uh, what a Batman movie more to come yeah. <laughs> more more to come from our old pal the Batman um, but for now I guess we can move on to Casino yeah um, yeah this is a like a sort of like mobster, like crime gambling movie, um, with a with sort of, with like sort of like three mainish characters. There's like Robert De Niro, um, Joe Pesci, and then I think Sharon Stone's probably. Um, like yeah, I feel like they probably I feel like they get almost equal ish screen time. Probably Sharon Stone, probably on a little bit of the lower end of that. Um, um but yeah uh what did i guess what did you think of casino yeah casino is it's been uh, on my list for a while i like a i i like a good scorsese and after i had seen like gangs of new york i'm like wow whatever like just of his epics have i not seen that could be like great and one of them is like casino and um i thought like it's good i i don't there are some people who I think they're like, oh, Gangs of New York drags. I'm like, no, I didn't have that issue for me at all. And for me, that was kind of casino where there is a point where I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I get it. But, you know, it's well made. The performances are good. And I did kind of like the device of sort of the dueling narrations. Yeah, I, I, I really like that. I like that Um, there's a character somewhere in the middle named Frankie that gets like one line of his narration. For like one scene that I can't even remember the point of, but like there's like a character named Frankie that gets like his own little like monologue for like a set or like his own little narration for a second, um, which is like a pretty funny bit. But yeah, like this movie, um, it's weird because you're right. It is it is like a good movie, but like if you watch the first thirty minutes, you watched kind of the movie, um, like there's there's no really like new or like interesting twist that happens it's just sort of like fun interactions with people that got like kind of mobstery fun accents 
um, and Joe Pesci just being Joe Pesci and then people dying. Um, that's, yeah, I guess that's kind of the major thing with it is that like, there's just a lot of this movie that is just scenes that I feel like I just watched 10 minutes ago. Yeah, it is a film that it is based on a true story. Like I believe it kind of tied into a book that had came, came out that year of sort of, it is looking at the era of the, of early Vegas where the mobs owned all the casinos and that kind of puts it on the map a bit and then how it sort of fall falls apart and there is a couple like mobsters in particular i think the real ones like lefty rosenfall and tony spilotro and those ones get yeah and then those ones kind of get adapted to lefty becomes sort of the de niro character kind of sam ace ace rothstein and then and then nikki who's more the enforcer of the gang is kind of the Anthony Sp- Spilotro one. So they changed the name to like these dead mobsters and, and stuff. And yeah, it, it's a good film. Like Sharon Stone, yeah, this is the film that kind of gets her her Oscar nomination uh, for supporting actress. Oh, nice. And, yeah. And th- that's, I'll say when it kind of becomes more about his fraught marriage with Sharon Stone, I was a bit more interested in that than just the latest casino antics of, oh no, they've, they've pulled his license. What's he going to do? I know he'll run the news from the casino floor. Um, <laughs> I feel like the opposite. I feel like I was way, I, I would like the, I liked the, the, um, the casino shenanigans a lot more than the, the sort of marital stuff. I think it's because I just, I really recently just watched Wolf of Wall Street. And, like, I just, I don't know. I just don't want to watch, like, another, like, failing marriage uh, in a movie. Um, like, it's just, it's not, it's not even, like, bad. Um, I think probably, like, my, I think my favorite parts of this movie are just sort of the interaction between, like, um like Joe Pesci's like life and like Robert De Niro's like life and how they like, how they cause so much friction for each other. Yeah. I'll say it is interesting that Joe Pesci is identified as like the villain of this film. Like I've them are particularly good and g- good people. And though there's moments where I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess he's the villain in that he kind of makes things more difficult. And then I guess he does try and, kill him with a car bomb maybe at the end but yeah, I don't, this one where yeah. I'm like villain seems almost a bit of a stretch yeah it's one of those things where like nobody's a good guy like these are all there's like there's like there's criminals and then there's like people that are criminals but like it's it's in the books so they're good um like it's and I feel like the movie is very like aware of that um I feel like yeah, I feel like this movie probably doesn't like this movie wouldn't call Joe Pesci the villain. Um, but I feel like, yeah, he's probably like the most like antagonistic force, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, which, but also it, it is something where I think just cause he was kind of best villain and the way the film is, it is kind of find it interesting that, it sort of sets it up so they're like, okay, yeah, so there's going to be a big confrontation between, like, him and, like, Pacino at the end. And there 
isn't really. Like, after no. the kind of car bomb thing, the mob takes Pesci out and, like, his rubber. And a scene that is, like, really good and also really difficult to watch is you're literally watching them, like, beat beat, oh, a, yeah. beat a man almost to death and then bury him alive. It's yeah, like, oh my uh, gosh. Whoa. Yeah, because there's so many scenes in this movie. I think there's at least, like, five where, like, a person's just shot in, like, in broad daylight. And it's just, it's just like quicks like two, like it's just like two done. And this is, I feel like the first time where like someone is, is beaten to death in front of Joe Pesci. And it's just, oh, it's horrible. Yeah. And, and, and they really like have you just kind of sit in it and take it in. And you're like, oh, okay. Like that's kind of, and that's kind of something where I almost wish there was more of that in the film. Because yeah. I think that's when it gets in- interesting where it's like, Oh, you thought their lifestyle was so cool? Well, look how, like, look where it gets them in the end. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I feel like a problem, I think, like, one of the major problems with this movie is that I feel like it loops a lot. Um, And I think that's probably why um, Sharon Stone, amazing performance in this movie. Um, Like, everybody's doing, like, a pretty good job. I think probably De Niro's probably... I don't, it's not like he's phoning it in. I think it might just be his character is like a little a little flat, but that, that might just be direction. Um, and he definitely has his moments. Um, but like, I feel like uh, it's it's funny that you mentioned like the um, the him going on TV. Um, I wish that like went anywhere because it's in like one scene and then it's almost like they forget about it. Um, yeah, you sent me a screenshot. <laughs> you're like, well, this will end well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I feel like the part of the movie that I feel like suffers the most from like what feels like a looping um, is like the, the Sharon Stone De Niro stuff where I feel like they, they kind of go like she like leaves and then she comes back, but then she leaves again. And it's like, I feel like we go through it about two or three times before the end of the movie. Um, And it's just, I don't know. I I feel like it's one of those things where like, it's like a, it's like a three-hour movie um but i guess if you're gonna have a three-hour movie i guess you can afford to like spend time as much time as you want on certain things um yeah because i feel like if this were like a two-hour or like an hour and a half movie i feel like i might complain about like oh they probably should have spent more time on this thing but i feel like they had enough time for everything it's just some things get like really like played out and i get a little a little bored and like you said, I wish they were like more like like raw scenes, like the like the Joe Pesci's uh, death one, or uh, yeah, I assume he died. He's not going to come back for Casino two. Yeah. Um. Another thing, uh, I'll say, yeah, the wife stuff does kind of get good when all of a sudden there's stakes, so she's trying to get the safety deposit box. Like that sequence is, I think, maybe mm-hmm. the high point of that, and because. You know, it's not just a montage of a bunch of stuff. It is an ongoing scene where there's there's a fight and there's multiple parties involved. And then she gets the box and it's immediately arrested by the FBI. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's just weird. It's just a, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a very frantic thing. Things happen so fast in that one. Um, yeah. And like, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, and I feel like it's. I think this movie, I think this is something, I haven't talked about it in a while, because I feel like, um, I probably talked about it in, like, the middle of, like, the kissing season, but, like, I, I think one of my pet peeves, oh, sorry, the cat just jumped on my lap, 
Um, <laughs> now, now she's on my shoulder. She's trying to get on my back. Okay. Um, <laughs> one of my biggest pet peeves in movies is when like two characters are together, um, and like I don't, I don't know why. Um, and like in this movie, it kind of makes sense. But the one thing that like doesn't make sense is like what like De Niro like sees in her, despite her being like kind of, or despite her like being like pretty and like um, I guess like oh she always knows what to get what she wants. But like there's like no scene where I feel like where I feel like she like does anything like really nice for him, and it's just kind of it's not even like necessarily bad or unbelievable. It's just like. It's something I feel like, see, I happen, like, a lot in movies, and it's just kind of, it's just, like, a little pet peeve, where, like, it would make sense why they're not together, because, like, Sharon Stone, like, doesn't really like Robert De Niro. Um, the characters, I don't know how they feel about each other personally. Um, but it's just one of those things where it's, like, like, what do you, what do you, what do you see in Ginger? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's definitely, like, a weird... I mean, how I like, how I kind of put it sometimes, I forget, I was saying, oh, oh yeah, for the movies with these kinds of relationships is, sometimes it mirrors real life where you don't know why people are, like, attracted to each other and why stuff that seems like such a clear disaster on paper happens. Yeah, and I guess that's kind of the, I guess that's kind of the point with the movie, um, and yeah, I don't, and like, I guess that's, that might just be, that might just be like an irrational pet peeve I have, where it's just like, it's just kind of like, it's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're like, everything's gonna make sense, and then they gotta be kissing. <laughs> exactly. Every, every, I remember I got into like a, it wasn't even like a fight, one of my friends just got really upset with me. Um, Have you ever seen Prisoners? Yes. I remember the ending of that movie, I was like, well, is he... Oh, spoilers! By the way, I was like, "Well, this, did they did he dig him up or not? They should let me know." <laughs> I was like, "That's the point of the movie." And I'm like, "That's so stupid! What do you mean? They should just be a little a little textbook that says, and then he dug him up two days later." <laughs> You're literally just describing what China did to Fight Club. <laughs> I was just like, I was so upset by the end of the movie because I was like, well, did ah, oh, well, does he know he's in there? Or doesn't he? <laughs> and I feel like maybe that's what's that's what's happening with this sort of movie. Where like I feel like the entire point is that they have no chemistry and like they're horrible for each other, and that's why it kind of blows up in their faces for one of them very literally. Um, and like it's it, and I'm just seeing it and going like these people don't love each other what the hell is going on it is interesting this story because i've talked to like some of the people listen to this podcast is like man you really liked out getting ben on there it's nice having someone who's like not a movie guy just watching these <laughs> things like, I'm, I'm really glad I, I i honestly like i'm very happy that i i always try to be very like very honest with how i feel about certain movies even even if i even if it might uh make me look a little silly sometimes um because like no, yeah it's it's an arc you're like learning yeah. more about like what you like and dislike in movies and yeah exactly yeah. I, I and that's why i always like i always um oh i always like i'm always really happy that these are like movies i've never seen um or if it's like if it's like a sequel i i really like i try like to not watch the previous one just because like i wonder how this movie stands up on its own and then i'll go back and watch it a little later 
Yeah. You're like, whoa, Darth Vader is who? Did we know this before? <laughs> whoa. Plot hole alert. <laughs> Plot hole alert. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll say another casino thing is, I, I do wish there was like maybe a bit more stuff with the FBI, but I do think it's really good when they go to kind of arrest all the mob bosses, and most of them are just really old men who, like, can't actually travel anywhere. <laughs> yeah, they all and have, then like, just, but air cannons, they all have, like, oxygen tanks, and they're breathing. Yeah. It's just really also the thing where you're like, oh, right, the mob is just, like, a bunch of really old guys trying to hold on to power. <laughs> and, then they all just, and then they just start assassinating all the witnesses who could testify <laughs> against them. Yeah. No, it's like, yeah, no, but like at the end of the day, like it's like it's a it's a it's a really good movie. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know if I would ever watch it at one time speed, um, but it is a it's a solid flick that um that is definitely it definitely it as much as I complain about the focus being in the wrong places, I um. And as much as I feel like the movie loops, it doesn't drag, though. Um, like, it's always, like, very fun and, like, quippy and exciting. Um, even if it's, like, kind of doing stuff that we've seen before. Yeah. Uh, I agree that, like, it, it is a film that it's very easy to just throw on and vibe with, even if, like, I don't find it as engaging as Gangs of New York, which I know is a minority opinion, but hey. That's why people listen to this podcast, to see what kind of dumb thing will these guys say next. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. I don't even have the don't, doesn't watch a lot of movies excuse. I watch plenty. Um, <laughs> <so>. uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, and like, by the end, of, I feel like I've probably watched, I've now watched a lot of movies. Um, and I'm, I'm currently watching a lot of TV Um so I, I, by the end of this podcast, I will be a, a bona fide, uh, cinephile. Um, don't take that out of context. <laughs> um, and whatever, a, a, a TV enthusiast. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's exciting. Um, but we have one more film yeah. to talk about and this one is a film I think is very exciting and <laughs> also, yeah. Broken Arrow. So. Yeah, I was so shocked by how much I loved this movie. Um, because on the outside, you're gonna love Face Off. It's the same director. I oh, <laughs> I honestly, I got the about about like twelve minutes in. There's a scene where John Travolta he like it zooms in and he has like e he, he like evilly he evilly scowls right before like he him and Christmas Slater have the fight in the plane. And it's so campy and stupid, and I love it so much. Um, yeah, like this movie. Um, to give like a, a like a super brief synopsis, it's a movie about sort of two these two like uh, like fighter. I don't know. It's like the the big jets that hold the bomber planes. Two like bomber plane pilots. Um, one of which is John Travolta, the other which is Christian Slater, and the John Travolta one is trying to like sell the nukes back to america by stealing them and then like selling them back somehow and christian slater is just a regular guy who's shocked by this 
Um, and this movie is so campy and funny and like, I love all the side characters. Um, there's a character near the end, um, that, uh, is just like, (laughs) it's such a funny scene. Uh, it's just like working on one of the computers and, um, uh, Samantha Mantis's character, um, like tries to like, tries to like fight him and he goes, I bet you thought I was some kind of nerd, but I know how to fight. <laughs> it's it's amazing. But what what did you think of Broken Arrow? Yeah, no, bro, Broken Arrow is. Uh, some friends of mine had watched this movie a couple weeks earlier and were just raving about it. So I was excited. Also, uh, I have seen Face Off, and I love Face Off, and I know that this is kind of the film that. I think both both helps John Woo get on the radar when they're like, oh, who should direct our face-swapping movie? But then also helps like John Travolta kind of get that part. So I know it's like a big precursor to Face Off. Um, I also, I love a good John Travolta villain performance because like, he's someone who, it's funny that for the longest time his like most famous role is being like the cool guy in Greece. Because <laughs> you watch anything he does from like the nineties on and you're like this is not a normal person. How did he ever <laughs> trick us into thinking like he knew how to be a normal person? Like, yes. He is so ridiculous in this movie. Um he is such a he's such a funny his delivery is so great. Um, like I, I love him in this movie. Um, what, and like, I think this is, um, I wonder wonder how many, how many times have we talked about Travolta? I think I know there's this in, uh, Phenomenon, um, where he played. Oh, right. The only best kiss movie Travolta was in, (laughs) Phenomenon. A weird movie where he gets superpowers and then faints. Um. He dies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he, man, John Travolta batting zero for zero and living through any movie we talk about with him in it um, so far. Um, yeah, Will he have better luck in face-off? <laughs> Only time will tell. <laughs> Only face will off. Um, yeah, like, this was such... I was expecting... I think I probably had the inverse feelings about this movie in Seven. I thought Seven was the one I was going to like a lot, and then this one was going to be like the the generic action movie that I kind of have to slog through. Um, but it was like almost the polar opposite. I loved this movie. It was so like, like so campy and, and fun and, and like quick. Uh, I, I absolutely adored it. And like, I don't know, something about it too is that like all the action scenes are like really, really fun. Um, I feel like sometimes a lot of um, action movies just sort of have like the characters running and then they shoot behind them and then they shoot a little bit and then they run and then they shoot. But this movie has like a lot of grenade play, like a helicopter propeller almost cutting a character in half, um, a helicopter propeller knocking someone off a train. Um, there's just like a lot of like fun things happening that I feel like a lot of like lesser movies would sort of phone in on. Yeah, it also has a fun setting where it's largely set in, like, national parks. 
So instead of just, oh, generic city or, like, generic military base, it's them running through, like, natural environments. Yeah, like and a big cave Him system. having to team up with a park ranger. Yeah, and it's, like, caves. Yeah, and a and train. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's also a film that sets off a nuclear bomb partway through, and that doesn't really... <laughs> Do much. I guess it's like a very underground, but yeah, it's... I guess that's the implication. I also like the scene where Christian Slater's like, "See those butterflies? If those butterflies are flying, that means there's no radiation." <laughs> yeah, it's not as egregious as there's a season of Twenty Four where, kind of, um, just, just the fifth season of Twenty Four kind of is their most successful season, where the big sort of twist is. The president is kind of the villain, and it's a bit of, like, a Nixon thing. So for season six, they're like, oh, how do we top this season? Like, we got a lot of juice. And they're like, oh, I know. And then the fourth season, a nuclear bomb goes off in, like, part of Los Angeles. <laughs> but, like, but there's almost no, I mean, somehow the rest of the season becomes not just about that. There's, like, other stuff going on. I feel there's episodes where they don't even mention, oh yeah, remember how, like, a literal nuke went off in, like, open space? It's... <laughs> yeah, it's... So here, I, here I, at least it's underground. Yeah, it's, it's like... Just... And that's, like, also, like, their plan, too. They're like, oh, we should set it off underground so, like, it's not as bad. Um, <laughs> it is such a simple, simple, like, setup. And like, it's just fun. I don't know. I I I, it's, I, I just I, I'm absolutely gushing about this movie. Um, yeah. And uh, I think yeah, yeah, definitely like one of one of the weaker parts is definitely uh, Slater. Um, he's he's fine. Um, and like I feel like this scene, I think rightfully so, um, definitely has way more Travolta time than it has anybody else. Um, but like, uh, like uh, Slater and Samantha's like it's not it's like kind of cute, um, and it like I don't even think it ends on like a kiss. I think it ends on like a a Christian handhold, <laughs> and then it just ends. Yeah, it it ends with them introducing each other. It's like a little oh, hey, I yeah, I'm Samantha, like I'm Terry. I'm like yeah, Ry- Riley Hale or whatever. It's just uh, but yeah, not even really like a kiss. It's just this little like. I mean, it'll probably be a romance later, but... Yeah. Yeah. And there's also, like, the... I can't remember the name of the actor, but there's, like, the guy that's, like, back at the base, like, trying to, like, help from from his side. Because um, he, like, he, like, kind of figures out what's going on. Um, oh, who would his name... Who would he be? Um, he's, like, the guy... He's, is he, he's not, like, a... He kind of looks like a lawyer, but I don't think he's a lawyer. Um... Also, props to this movie immediately explaining to me what a broken arrow was, because I had no clue. Um, Like, the second it's used, it's then, like, two sentences later, it's explained what it means. And I really appreciate that, um, because I would have just had to Google it. Yeah, though, I think I was reading someone where they're like, you know, the movie's called Broken Arrow, but it's not a broken arrow, it's John Travolta's trying to make them think it's a broken arrow, and... Yeah. If you have not watched Broken Arrow and you're like, wait, what's a Broken Arrow? 
it's essentially when a nuclear weapon goes missing. Yeah, which would which would work to help maintaining a twist, but like we get the twist reveal before the arrow is broken, um, or even close to being, um, and I, I really appreciate that. Um, I feel like a movie from like nowadays, or maybe like from five years ago, would have tried to like try to have Travolta not be a villain for like half of the movie before like twisting it at the end. And I'm glad that like, like so early on, he is just a goofy, insane guy. Yeah. A lot of movies have gone into the thing where they're like, it's more interesting if you don't realize he's a villain until halfway through. And you're like, no, it's more interesting if it happens in the first 10 minutes. And then you watch him try and frame the protagonist and knock him out of a plane. Yeah. I also, I also adore how like, unhinged Travolta his character is where he'll just like set he'll just change the time around the nuke from 30 minutes to 13 minutes for just no reason um this because he's annoyed he's just he's slightly annoyed also this movie in the same way that Aquaman has probably four scenes that are like characters talking in a calm environment and then explosion behind them interrupting it um this movie has like probably four or five scenes of like character going like to up to random character and going like hey what's up and then going oh them raising their arms and then the other person ducking and someone shooting them Uh, it's just it's a weird trope that happens like several times in this movie it's just weird that uh i just picked up on that that like i think it happens a couple times with each uh with each like um group of soldiers yeah it's I had not realized that, but you're right. That does happen a lot. <laughs> yeah, where it's like, they'll be like, oh, hey, other other military guys. And they'll be like, oh, hey. And then, like, the guy will duck and, like, one of Travolta's goons will just bum, bum, bum. <laughs> it happens so often. Uh, and, um, yeah. Uh, oh, so do you have any Do you have any sort of uh, any points of interest? I could probably gush about this for forever. Um Oh, I mean, I'll say, I do agree with you that, like, Slater is one where, you know, he's fine, but I'll say, what Face-Off understands is, um, Face-Off makes a great choice by having it be Cage and Travolta, because both of those actors can just do either of those roles and go the, as big as possible. Yeah, and it's Um, it's something even the, even the poster understands that Travolta is in front, um. and like, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, my, I think my, the last thing I would want your input on is what, how do you feel about the, the Travolta death scene? <laughs> you mean where a nuclear bomb slams into him while the, the train is the railing? <laughs> what? No, it's so good. You know, you, you'd think that a train action scene would be played out. You know, you'd think that you there's no way to to make that interesting. You would be so wrong um, for it's like the front half stops and the second half is coming in at barreling speeds. And then because of the crash, uh, a disarmed nuclear bomb becomes a glorified comically sized bullet that kills our antagonist. Yeah, it's so good. But not before John Travolta lets out, like, a little smirk for some reason, like he won? 
<laughs> he is he is amazing start to finish in this. Yeah. Um. I'll uh, I'll say yeah. Travolta, similarly to Jim Carrey, I think in a lot of the films where he plays a villain, it is a similar deal that he does one performance and it's I'm a crazy maniac and maybe there's like more. To, to me, but maybe I'm just a, a maniac, like, because the face-off one, I mean, his, his turn as Caster Troy in face-off, I'm not going to pretend it's that different from this, and then the other film that I love where he is the villain in it is Tony Scott's uh, Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, where he, like, hijacks the train, and similarly, it's, like, him, him doing, like, broad stuff, and very infamously saying the line lick my bunghole motherfucker like um <laughs> but it's but it's just so engaging and everything where unlike what jim carrey was like okay i get it's doing shit like travolta just coming into a movie and raving i'm like yeah yeah give me more of this yeah <laughs> like it's yeah he is um like definitely not a good first impression with phenomenon for me but i've definitely I'm definitely seeing the Travolta light, you know? He's he's definitely become a a fun, fun person to watch. Oh, you're going to love Face Off so much. Oh, I, I honestly can't wait. Uh, they put on, at work the other day, they put on National Treasure. Uh, we were just watching that, so I got a little bit of Nicolas Cage, too. Yeah. But, with that, um, unless you have anything else to say, I think we could... Go on to sort of ranking these movies. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be very, like, surprising. Um, but I think uh, my movies, I think it's uh, seven uh, at the bottom. Um, yeah, I think I've kind of said my spiel about it. Just couldn't super get into it. Um, and then Batman. And then uh, I think I just have Broken Arrow above Casino. Um, eat your heart out. Martin Scorsese, uh, very like both very good movies, but like I feel like Broken Arrow is just one that just it hits it hits with me so much. Uh, it reminds me of that. I think we talked about it not in our last or maybe it was our last episode, um, or last last episode that I'm currently editing. But like it, it sort of hits the same way that those old Captain America ones did, where it's just so goofy. Yeah, Captain America was definitely our 1993 episode. <laughs> Because you go on for those for a while. Um, yeah, mine is... I'm like, oh, mine's mostly similar. I'm like, no, I, I think mine's there. I have, at the bottom, Batman Forever. This is like a no-bad-movie week for me, but it's just kind of one of these has to be at the bottom, and sometimes it's going to be like the really broad, really goofy Batman movie. Uh, then above that, Casino. Yeah, so, solid mid mid-level Scorsese for me, just, he's capable of hitting such heights, and this one feels like he's kind of staying in his box, but lucky for him, his box is pretty damn great. Um, Then above that, Seven, like, again, far from my favorite Fincher, but just really moody, really atmospheric, and strong, and at the top, yeah, it's gotta be Broken Arrow. Just really, 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 really fun. Really action-packed. Has just a lot of great character actors and 
performances in it, and yeah, really a case of a villain elevating a film. But how do all the villains stack up to each other? Yeah, um, I think this is a rare case where I feel like it's almost identical to the movie one. Um, oh, maybe, mm, let me think. I think, yeah, I think at the bottom, I think I might have to put uh, Kevin Spacey. Because, um, like, he's, like, he's like kind of neat, but, like, he's also given, like, very little screen time in retrospect to the whole movie. Um, and then I feel like I kind of also want, I kind of just want to tie them together, weirdly enough, the two Batman ones. Um, and I think I originally had it that way, but I think if I had to put one over the other, I think I'd probably put Two-Face a little bit over Riddler just because he's got a little more like set pieces to help him out. I feel like they're both very um, like similar in terms of like goofiness and funness, but I feel like Two-Face has a little bit more like props to work with that make it a little more fun. Um, Like this (laughs) giant goofy bomb from the circus. Um, And then, yeah, I think I would have uh, Broken Arrow at the top with Joe Pesci just a little bit below. Um, I think in a, I think I'm not sure. Casino is a weird one because I don't feel like it doesn't really like have like a villain. It's just more of like a story. But like, I think Joe Pesci is like this like super. He's like selfish and he's ruthless and he's brutal. Um, and I think that like, as much as I don't feel like he's the villain of a story, he's definitely a villain in sort of like a cosmic sense. In that he's like kind of a a, a bad dude um, in little ways. I think he stabs the guy with a pen at some point. Um, yeah, and I think that is my villain list. Mm. Good. Yeah. Um, I think mine's pretty similar. At, at the bottom, I probably have... Yeah. Uh, I'll say Tommy Lee, Lee Jones there, just, just for like... You know, I see what you mean by like the props, but... His Riddler, uh, you know, I feel he's maybe just not working as much, but I have a bit, you know, just as someone with a bit more knowledge of those characters and all the potential that, I call Tommy Lee Jones Riddler, but, like, Two-Face, like, I think Two-Face is capable of being more, more, as, as fun as he, he is in this, um, yeah, then above that, yeah, trying to see if I want to separate him out, but, I have, like, Jim Carrey above, above it again. Like, you know, Jim Carrey gives maybe one villain performance, and it's a fun performance. But, you know, very sticky, and just... there's He's done it in better in other movies, some of which we'll talk about next week. And, yeah, he he's fun, but just just not near the top for me. Um, Then, above that, probably Pesci just... Not really a villain, but yeah, just full on bad dude who does bad things and played really well. And then, but that, um, I'll I'll give Spacey second. Just despite his lack of screen time, I'll say when he's on screen, he is making the most of it, and he really I think is doing good work playing this person who is simply evil and even if you kind of wish that maybe there is a bit more motivating him there i think like it works really well but yeah it's got to be john travolta this year at the top 
um, just doing doing the Lord's work with his maniac who wants to get money, or he'll set off a bomb in a nas- national park. Like, <laughs> it's cla- classic, classic stuff, and yeah, so that, that about brings us to the end of 1996. Now we've come to a little feature we call Recommendation of the Week, where we each recommend whatever we want. So, what do you oh, got man. this week? Ben? Um, who I think this week... Oh, man, what to recommend? I would recommend if any of our listeners um, know our friend uh, Mac, uh, he streams... Um, go to his house and have him make uh, the chicken he made for me a few nights ago. Uh, my recommendation is the chicken that Mac made me a few nights ago. <laughs> oh, you saw Mac a few nights ago? Yeah. It was probably, honestly probably was more like a couple, like a week ago almost now. <laughs> yeah. You went down to see him, or he went up to see this? Uh, he went up to to see me. I think he's moved up here now. Oh. I should yeah. talk to him more. <laughs> yeah, now that you guys are, you not. I think you're probably still the same distance away from him, but you get more bang for your buck if you come down. I mean, he was arguably closer before. This isn't going to be interesting <laughs> to the to the listener, but like, I'll I'll say the road the road up to where he would be now is more consistent, and I don't have to drive through multiple towns and suddenly slow down to like fifty. Um. But yeah, fair enough. Yeah, but my recommendation uh, is the little film I watched on who on not who it's on Hulu if you're in the states. I watched it on Disney Plus up here in Canada. It is called No Exit, and it is this thriller. It is about a woman who she she kind of she is in rehab for addiction issues and. She escapes it at the beginning because her mom has had, like, an aneurysm and is in the hospital, and she kind of escapes, even though her sister's like, no, we don't want you there. But on on her way there, there is a blizzard, and she gets kind of pulled into this sort of roadside stop, visitor center area with a group of, group of people, and very quickly discovers that one of them has kidnapped a girl and who is in their truck. And it becomes kind of a thing where she has to figure out who the kidnapper is and then has to figure out how she's going to get this girl out of there and safe. And it's just a really good, lean, mean, 90-minute thriller. And yeah, you should check that out. And then I think I'll just give the bonus thing of Listen to the score to the movie War for the Planet of the Apes. It is by the guy who did the score for the upcoming Bat- the Batman movie, and it is like a really good, really somber score for a movie about apes and humans fighting. Um, yeah, and that about brings us to plugs. Ben, what do you got to plug? Yeah, uh, as always, I will plug my Instagram. Uh, not two pens uh a spelling out there somewhere um and then my twitter at gakagak yeah cool um yeah you can find me on twitter at like a wolverine and you can find me on letterbox also like a wolverine 
You can find the show on Twitter at Gold Popcorn Pod. You can find us on Instagram at Past the Golden Popcorn. And you can email us at PastTheGoldenPopcorn at gmail.com. So if you want to complain that this is the first episode where we didn't really say anything controversial, like real-world controversial, go for <laughs> it. <laughs> well, that was going to be a trend with us. I'm like, is every episode just going to have to be an apology now for something? Just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, act like I didn't edit out that giant uh, Kevin Spacey Apologia segment that we both partook in. <laughs> Let's not... Pro- that's not um <laughs> uh, yeah. it is every episode <laughs> <laughs> it's every episode um uh, but hey if you ever get popular this one can stay in the back catalog <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> unless we blow it in the next like three minutes um yeah i i think we can i think we can do it um yeah so yeah. our theme song is by Matt Samard with a little Ben twist. You can find Matt on his SoundCloud. Go back to the best sandwich episode and the end where he plugs it, and then I'll look it up for it sometime. Um, our art is done by Ben. We are on FriendlyMush.com, which has other cool podcasts. Um, if you like the show, rate, review, subscribe, let us know. And yeah, all that's left is to say what's coming up next week well actually next week what's going on it's going a little off format before we get to i guess i'll still yeah hmm i don't know if i should say what's 1997 for them i'll i'll just say it so so next week um Twilight movie was not nominated and that was maybe something we wanted to correct. We're going to turn our attention to sort of a special episode similar to Host Choice, except it's something where uh, it's largely me telling Ben, hey, we should do this, and him going, yeah, sure, okay. Um, But we're going to cover one of the more glaring omissions of yeah, kind of MTV Movie Award Best Villain category, the Scream franchise. Scream, despite... Despite the film winning Best Movie in 1997, despite MTV going on to eventually make a Scream TV show, somehow Ghostface, the icon- like one of the iconic slasher villains, I mean, really the only iconic new slasher, well, G- I mean, I guess there's still Jigsaw, but that's a bit of a different thing, but yeah. But next week we are covering the Scream films. We're covering Ghostface and Scream. Ghostface yeah. and Scream 2. Ghostface and Scream 3. Ghostface and Scream 4. And Ghostface and Scream, because they... I'm just going to call it Scream 5 for, like, consistency's sake, because it is Scream 5, but they <laughs> kind of dropped the number. and The Scream. Uh, yeah, voiced by Roger L. Jackson in all cases. And we are not, I am not going to say which actors, like, portray Ghostface, because Ben has only seen the first Scream once. And so. I, I think I only remember, uh, I don't, honestly, I don't even remember who it is. <laughs> so that's good. I'll be, I'll be totally surprised. Yeah. So, yeah. Co- yeah, so come back next week for, for Scream Week, or, yeah, 
Or come back in two weeks for 1997, where we'll talk about, yeah, I won't end the nominees, but films like The Cable Guy, two different movies with fear in the title. <laughs> um, yeah, fear and Primal Fear, A Time to, a time to Kill, and then, oh, now I'm trying to remember what the fifth The fifth Fan. The, right, The Fan, yeah. A film, what a, another film I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. But next week will be a lot. But yeah, so stay tuned. Lots of fun stuff coming up. And keep passing that golden popcorn. And, you, you know, ju- just remember. Uh, I scream, Ernie. you scream. We all scream for Scream Week. Coming next week. <laughs> Ernest Hemingway once said that the world is a fine place and we're fighting for. I agree with both no i can't say both both parts <laughs> came so close came so close um, goodbye everyone <laughs> bye everybody <laughs> i'm batman i'm i'm batman i i can't i can't do batman where Where's, where's Rachel? Where's Rachel? Joker. <laughs> this is so bad. I can't do it. <clears throat> uh, Miss Piggy. Joker. That was bad. That was really bad. Okay, I'm gonna stop.